0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at stevenscreekchurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. What a beautiful day to be here in the house of the Lord. like to welcome all those in our South Campus, all those watching uh, in homes across our community and beyond, and those watching on demand. I'll tell you, this is a special week as we launch our revival. This past March, I'll never forget, uh, the Lord waking me up in the middle of the night, prompting me with the, the thought of sponsoring a revival. And this is something we haven't done in 21 years. And so this was out of my normal way of thinking but I'll tell you, I really felt a, a call of God for that. So to me, as we've been praying and preparing for this, it, it's here and I am coming with great expectation. And I want you to come to and invite a friend. Every night will be uniquely different and um, hopefully uh, spiritually inspiring to all of us. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the stranger that walked into the revival service? He approached the pastor after service and said, I would like for you to pray for my hearing. And so the pastor laid hands on his ears and prayed this earnest and sincere prayer. And then he asked him, He says, Well, how's your hearing? And he was kind of surprised. He said, Well, my court hearing's not until Thursday. Well, when we hear the word revival, that's not a word that so many of us are used to uh, saying. Some of us have pictures of what uh, a revival times used to be, maybe in a previous generation, uh, maybe even like the Great Awakening. But when we think about revival very practically, in the classic sense of the word, revival is this restoration of a spiritual life in God's people. And it's also a return to the abundant life. You see, God has an abundant life for you. It's a return to that. When God revives us, we can expect authentic change and we can expect to have spiritual power. In these times, I believe that a personal revival is essential for all of us. Because we need the presence of the Lord more than ever before. In Exodus chapter 33, uh, God threatened to Moses to remove his presence from them. And Moses responded to that in verse 15 and said, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses is saying here that God's presence is essential. We need it. We need him. We need him, and without him, we'll never live the life that we're intended to live, and we'll never be the church that God wants us to be without him. We need the presence of the Lord in our lives. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk about five reasons why I personally believe that we need revival in our lives and in our church and in our community yeah, and yes, in America. First of all, we need revival so that we can rejoice. We need a revival so that we can rejoice. The very foundational scripture that we've used for this event comes from Psalm chapter 85, and it says, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Notice it says the word again. This implies that revival is something that we will always be in need of. No matter how mature that you are in the faith, no matter how victorious you're living, we all need to be revived. We will never be at a place in our lives where we don't need the touch of God on us. The touch of God's favor on our lives, the touch of his presence in us. So we come today and we say, God, we stand here at Stevens Creek and we say, revive us, revive our congregation. Let your presence uh, be through us. Because here we're living in the real world and we're living in a world of chaos. We're living in a world of confusion and we're living in a world of great Sadness. Great, great sadness. I mean, we hear it every week that this person is not feeling well. This person is sick. This person has passed. And we're in a very critical time in our nation. In our nation, more than any time before in my life, is crying out. It's crying out for help whether you're red, yellow, black, or white, whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're vaccinated or you're a non-vaxxer, whether you're a mask or you don't believe in it, regardless of all that, you have to understand this. Our world is in trouble. And we as the church, we must stand in the gap. We must be the people who are people of faith. And we must speak life, And we must speak hope. And you know what? The the world is looking for hope. The world is looking because you see, we see sadness around it. And it's not just the pandemic. I mean, just think about uh, Haiti and what the the, uh, pain that's gone on in that small country. Think about Afghanistan and how our hearts have been broken to see that knowing that we've had so many Creekers who've served our country in Afghanistan. And then today we're watching on the news as Hurricane Ida comes through the Gulf Coast and hits Louisiana. All of these uh, are traumatic events, and for this to happen in a matter of days... And so I see so much fear sweep across our land. I see people who've lost their joy, people who've lost their contentment, they've lost their peace, they've lost their spiritual energy. So where did it go? Where did you lose it? And I don't know where you lost it, but I encourage you and I I just beg you today, to turn around and run to Jesus and you will find what you have lost. Uh, several weeks ago, I was at a restaurant and I ran into a, a creaker that I hadn't seen in quite some time. And he looked at me and said, oh, Pastor Mario, it's so good to see you. I'm coming back to church since the church is now open. So I smiled at him, and I said, great, I'll be glad to see you. I hadn't seen him yet, but I'll be glad to see you. You know, and I'm smiling, and I'm thinking, buddy, the church has been open for 15 months. We were only closed 12, um, 10 weeks. You know, so many times people use this pandemic as an opportunity to wander, and to wander away from the faith. They've looked at this shutdown as a good excuse to redirect their lives and to focus their uh, energies on other things. And as a result, they've lost their joy. And to those individuals who've lost their joy and lost their direction, whether you've stayed at home or come, God's mercy is here, his grace is here and his joy is here. And what I want you to know is that your joy can be full. And that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Just hear that and receive that. I said there's five reasons why I believe that we need revival. Here's the second reason. We need a revival so that our sins can be forgiven. We need a revival so that our sins can be forgiven. Peter stood up and said uh, to the people, he said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. That's what revival is all about. Repent, turn, come back, receive refreshing. Times of refreshing. Peter understood that the presence of God would renew you and would refresh you, and it would give you the energy that you need. He said it all begins by repenting and turning. Repentance actually means that you're going in one direction, you repent, you turn, and go in another direction. The act of turning is the word conversion. When you're converted, you are Turning, And you walk in a new direction, you change the way you think, you start to focus on a better life. And we need to repent or come back because so many times we find ourselves in a position where we have forsaken those things that we really love. We have forsaken the Lord. This is what Jesus said to the, in the book of Revelation. He says, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far that you've fallen. Consider that. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And if you don't repent, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus is saying that you've fallen, you've forsaken. You've walked away. You've let it go. You've surrendered it. You've forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, you didn't lose it, You left it. And to those who have left it, that you've left the faith, you've left walking with the Lord, today is the day that you return. Today is the day that you return. You come back. Consider your life. Consider where you are now and where you used to be. Consider how far you've fallen. Consider the intimacy that you once had with the Lord Consider that. Consider the power that you experience. Consider how far you've fallen. And Jesus said, just repent. Just come back. Walk into his presence. Trust his goodness. Worship him. The very first step to a revival is to make things right between you and God. And so I I, I encourage you to do that today. Last week, I did a funeral for a man that was not saved until the last five minutes of his life and his family stood in the gap and they prayed him through they prayed him through and today we rejoice because that man's in heaven but here's what i would say to you don't wait that long don't wait till the last five minutes because being saved is more than a ticket to heaven. It is uh, a, a way of living. It is uh, receiving a power that is greater than yourself. It is uh, being uh, forgiven of your sins. It is moving the guilt and shame off. I'm telling you this. If heaven were never Promised to me I would still live for Jesus if heaven were never promised because I believe that this life that we're living is the best life that you can live we talk about having your best life a best life is when you come and surrender to your creator the one who made you the one who formed you and the one who has a plan for your life It's the best life. And so I just want you to think about that. Because so many times I meet people who are carrying a weight of a bad decision that they made years ago. And along with that bad decision, you feel shame and you feel guilt. And that has just slowed you down from really achieving what you know you could achieve. It has kept you from living the life that you know that God has for you. It's time that you stop doing that. You surrender that. Jesus said, I will bear that burden. I will wipe your slate clean. I will forgive you of your sins. I will make your life new again. And so I want you to understand that Jesus is here to forgive you. And when he forgives you, that begins a personal revival for you. I said there's five things. Here's number three. We need a revival so that we can be strong and so that our church, our church here, our church uh, on the south side, our church, our virtual church, so that we can be strengthened. Now, when I was first licensed to preach, I was first licensed to preach when I was 18 years old. Started preaching uh, probably even before I was licensed. When I was first uh, uh, licensed to preach, in those days... It was not uncommon for churches to schedule protracted uh, revival events. I mean, a church may have two or three revivals a year. It was just the season that we were in. I'll never forget, at the beginning of every month, um, our district superintendent, our district overseer would send us uh, a revival report of all the revivals that took place in the conference. And he would make note of how many people were saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he would say uh, this, that this church had a good church revival. I think about that. Stevens Creek Church needs a good church revival. We need a place where we are empowered and we're strengthened by the Lord. This is the message of Ephesians chapter 6, when he says, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Next verse. It says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual warfare uh, warfare, and the devil is scheming very practically. You know, if I were the devil, what would I do? If I were the devil, I would divide people according to race. If I were the devil, I would create an environment where people fell in fear that they have to shelter in place and stay away from other people. If I were the devil, I would kill as many people as possible through abortion. If I were the devil, I would confuse gender roles with the hopes of limiting population growth. Anytime you hear limiting population growth, it goes uh, against the Bible where it says, be fruitful and multiply. And so hear that. If I were the devil, I would convince the people that they didn't need to go to the house of the Lord. I would convince people that the church is a show that they watch on television and not a community that they're involved in and not a small group that they're involved in. Today's small group launch day. And the devil works hard to keep us isolated and to keep us out of community. We need a good church revival so that we can be strong and we can push back the schemes of the devil. For the last 21 days, we have been praying And I've been praying, God, help us to push back the darkness. Help us to push back the darkness. Help us to declare, not today, Satan. Because we declare that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are a brand new creation in him. We declare that we are accepted, that we are forgiven, that we are empowered, that we are strengthened, that we are anointed, that we are generous, that we are well able because we are a, ch- a child and we are children of the most high God. Amen. And here's the fourth reason we need a revival. We need a revival so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need a power that is greater than ourselves. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for their, his departure, he told them to go to the city of Jerusalem until they are endued or clothed with power from on high. Now, it's very interesting here because he told a group of disciples who were saved. These people had followed Jesus. After the resurrection, they they said, Jesus, you are the Lord. But yet, he is saying, I need you to go to Jerusalem because there's something more for you. The promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? You'll receive power. You'll be clothed with power from on high. You see... In Acts chapter 2, we see after they'd gone there, they'd prayed when the day of Pentecost came, they were given the active presence of God. And what began in a small group in the upper room overflowed and turned the world upside down. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers people and gives them the ability to do the work God has called them to do. I believe that God has a plan for your life yes, I believe that God has a purpose for your life and that when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he gives that person a spiritual gift. It's our responsibility to uncover and discover that gift. A spiritual gift is that divine enablement that God gives us to do um, uh, a work that will help fulfill his purposes in this world. So we have these spiritual gifts. And when we operate in our giftedness, the church is strengthened. And when we operate in our giftedness, it's the overflow of God's anointing or his Holy Spirit poured out on us. Peter's example of this. Peter was timid before Pentecost. He lacked confidence. When the Holy Spirit filled him, he was given boldness to the point where he could stand up before thousands of people and proclaim the gospel. And on the very first day, 3,000 people were saved. Later on, we see in Acts chapter 4, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that these guys were unschooled, these guys were ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Later on in Acts chapter 17, we see how these disciples who are filled with the Spirit, eventually these who have turned the world upside down have come to us. That's what the story is. They just turned the world upside down. God has a giftedness for you. And people often ask me, how do I know when I'm operating in that gift? I think you will know because you'll have this sense, I was made for this. I was just made from this. That you, you do something, maybe you say something, you have this conversation with someone and then you walk away and say, I was just made for that. God used me in that particular time. And there's a, a, there is something about being a part of what God is doing. It's something that is very encouraging and oftentimes Um, we don't, oftentimes I think we don't use what we've been given enough, but if you'll use the gifts that you have been given, you'll inspire people and you'll challenge people. And you know what? People will look at you and they'll say to themselves, I want what he has. I want what she has. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different about that person. Because they recognize that you are living uh, from a different drumbeat, that you're living a different way, and and your lifestyle is very intriguing to them. You know what? That's what Jesus said. You'll be a city on a hill. You'll be a light in the darkness, and you'll put... You will preach more sermons by your lifestyle than any time that you will ever stand on a stage. And you will make that kind of a difference. That's where revival begins. God has a purpose. He has a plan for you. Here's finally. We need a revival so that we can be ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is coming again. I believe that Jesus is coming again. When the disciples uh, saw him ascend up into heaven, the angel said, why are you looking up? Said this same Jesus will come again. And we start to study the life of Jesus and his ministry. And he gave us some signs of the last days and signs that will point us to his second coming. In Matthew chapter 4, Uh, 24, the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your second coming and the end of the world? And Jesus said, take heed that nobody deceives you. There'll be a lot of people that'll try to deceive you. So take heed, don't let anybody deceive you. You're going to hear wars and rumors of wars for nations shall rise against nation. There'll be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Now, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. <clears throat> if you've had any opportunity to watch the news in the last several weeks, you will see these signs broadcast across your telephone, your television, your newspapers. We are living in a world that are showing signs that Jesus talked about. A nation rising against nation, famines, pestilences. You know the word pestilence actually means plague. A plague, literally a disease. This worldwide pandemic of the coronavirus, I feel like fits into that category as a plague. These are signs. The scripture also talks about that in the last days, there will be a great falling away. I'm telling you, I thought 2020 was bad. But since the beginning of this year, it is like... All hell has broken loose. I am without words to, to just understand it or explain it to you. I am seeing things that I never thought I would see. Satan is running to and fro to deceive the very elect of God. And there is a great falling away. But you know what? It said, also in the last days, there will be a great revival. Like we've never seen before. This is the words of Joel. He said, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on them. That's why we've been in 21 days of prayer. That's why we've been praying, God, get the junk out of our lives so that we can be filled up with the Spirit. And the reason we pray that is so many of us and so many times me I'm talking about I'm so full of myself, you're so full of yourself that there's no room for the presence of the Lord to move in your life. And there comes a point where there has to be an emptying. There has to be something where we pour out and get the junk out so that we can be a candidate to receive all that God has for us. We read those verses where he'll pour out our spirit. Then we drop down just a couple more verses. And it says this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls. I believe that's talking about spiritual salvation and I believe that's talking about the world in which we're living in. You see, I believe that God wants... You saved, and he has a home in heaven for you, but he also has divine protection for you on this side. I believe... That there are angels that are encamped round about those who believe. And angels are going before you. And I believe that they're encamped round about your house. And when the devil comes in to speak fear and defeat and sickness on you, that you can stand there knowing that there are angels around you pushing back the darkness. And I cry out for God's presence and his protection to be upon us. I cry out for that. And that we must push back and say, no, not on my watch. You are not going to do this. You are not going to take my sons and my daughters. You're not going to take my grandchildren. I am putting my foot down and say that nobody but Jesus is going to run my life. And nobody but Jesus is going to run my family. And nobody but Jesus is going to run this church. So many times we just give up. Whatever will be, will be. And we just fall in line. And I say, no. No. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. We don't walk the same path that the world walks. And the problem with the church so for so many years is that we've tried to look so much like the world that it is hard to tell the difference between the world and the church. And there comes a point where we have to say, no, we're walking down a narrow path, not the broad way that leads to destruction. If we just go along with everybody else, we're going to lead to a place of of fear and intimidation and ultimately in destruction. But God has called you to walk the narrow path. God has called you to walk a path that leads to life and to abundance in Him. And this truth that you're going to live and you're going to preach, this truth is going to be freedom in your life and it's going to be freedom to those people that hear the truth. I believe that we're going to see a revival. I believe that we're going to see a spiritual awakening. I believe that we're going to see a spiritual outpouring. And I say, God, let it begin right here in this room. Let it begin in our South Campus. Let it begin in this community. Let Augusta, Georgia be the place where God's fire and God's wind blows Through America from this place. I believe there's gonna be a revival like we've never seen. Because we're seeing warfare like we've never seen. And Satan is doing whatever he can to discourage you, to steal your joy, to steal your contentment, to water and weaken your faith, because he knows what's coming next. He can't stop, and he's trying to do every bit of damage before that happens, but I'm saying, church, be strong in the Lord and and his mighty power. I'm saying, church, come to a place where you surrender because you need the Lord right now more than any other time in your lifetime. We're going to be a light in this community. And we're going to show people what it means to live joyful, to live with hope, and not to live with a spirit of fear. But we preach for all month love, uh, power, and a sound mind. We're going to be strong. You are going to be strong. You are going to be strong. You are going to be strong. You're going to walk in Christ. And we're going to be the carriers of revival. Back to that last verse. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let me speak to you. Are you saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How about it, South Campus? I'm looking right at you. Have you been saved? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm speaking to all of those watching online and those watching on demand. Those people that have just been scrolling through Facebook and for whatever reason you you clicked right in the last couple of minutes. I'm asking you right now, have you been saved? You can be. It says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In the next few minutes, we're going to call on the name of the Lord. And there are going to be people who will come to faith in Jesus Christ today. Your life is going to be redirected. It's going to be changed. Are you ready to pray? For those of you that have walked away from the faith, those of you that are just backslidden, you don't have to continue to live like that. My goodness, you're carrying this guilt and shame. You don't have to do that. Jesus has paid for that. I want you to have an abundant life. And the enemy has confused you so much and and told you that, that true life is found elsewhere. But don't listen to those lies. I want you to come back home and to receive what God has for you. It's time to pray. I want you to bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray over the people that are ready to be saved. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit. Use me to make a difference. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And to those that have prayed that prayer, I wanna say welcome to the family of God, Amen. amen. When you walked in today or when you sat down, you notice that there's a communion cup at the seat in front of you or the seat beside you. Look on the chair right beside you and you'll see it there. There are two parts of this. The first part is you pull the plastic off and there's a piece of bread and then there's a juice cup. I want to explain what this means. Throughout history, when Christians have gathered together, they have remembered the sacrifice of Jesus through the taking and receiving of communion. Now, I realize to some of you, this act is unfamiliar, but it is clearly an example that Jesus set in the New Testament. In fact, on the night that he before he went to the cross, he gathered with his disciples. He took the bread and he took the cup. And he said, in the future when you do this, I want you to remember what's going on. Remember me. Communion symbolizes the death of Jesus on the cross. Now the apostle Paul came on the scene and he was teaching about communion. He said, you know, this is a special part of the service. So never take this Part of the service with a casual attitude. But approach this with reverence. And he goes on to say if there's anything inside of you that you that's keeping you away from the Lord, now's the time to deal with it. You need to deal with it now before you take communion. And so I'm gonna give you just a few minutes just to say a personal and private prayer to say, God, prepare me to receive communion. Let's pray. Now we lift up the bread and today we break this bread and we recognize that this bread represents the body of Jesus that was placed on the cross. So Father, as we receive this, we remember Jesus and his sacrifice. Now take the bread. Now, Father, we lift up the cup. And this cup represents the blood of Jesus. It represents the blood that was spilled from the cross of Calvary, the very blood that washes us clean. We thank you for this. We appreciate what you've done. And we remember today the sacrifice that you paid. So bless this cup as we take it. In Jesus' name. Now take the cup. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.